Gonna stand down here this morning, if that's all right with you. I don't don't feel the greatest this morning, and I get about 20 degrees hotter up there, and so uh, I'm gonna try and limit that just a little bit here this morning. But happy indeed uh, to to be here with you, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully everyone's week has gone well. This morning, you can see our title there. Uh, Jameson said he. Uh, when I told him what we the title to put on the uh, to put on our internet broadcast, there he said, "Yeah, I kind of figured it out from the scripture reading." So uh, you may have figured it out from the scripture reading uh, there as well. We have spent uh, one Sunday each month during the course of this year uh, talking about um, church order, for lack of a better title, and we talked a little bit earlier in the year about why we meet, what we do when we meet, why we take communion, why we uh, preach. I think last month we talked about the role of the preacher. Uh, This one is actually going to be split into two parts. Uh, So this week and then next week. This week we're going to be talking about the work of elders. Next week we're going to talk more about the qualifications uh, of it. Uh, When you think about a job that you might be interested in doing, you might meet the qualifications, but you need to know, are my, am I interested in doing that job in the first place? You know, somebody might tell you a little bit about it and you say, that sounds awful. Well, if they tell you, you gotta have this degree or you gotta have this much experience, none of that matters if you're not interested in the job in the first place. So that's why I thought we would look today at what the job entailed, and then next week we will look at the qualifications for it. I want us to think about uh, the work of elders. And so to start with, for an introduction to this morning, I simply Googled the word leadership. Now, what do you think would happen when you search the word leadership? I'm going to give you the exact response that came up. It said, it is a leader's ability to motivate and collaborate with people that helps them to deliver that vision. As such... Much of effective leadership relies on people skills. Leaders need to understand and respect the people on their team as individuals and to know how to bring out the best in them as they work together. Now, there is zero scripture in that. Now, you can't find that in Hebrews or 1 John or you know, Deuteronomy. But that's a pretty good descriptor of a task of an elder because those jobs require a lot of the things that were mentioned right there. The reality is any level of leadership requires that kind of thing. And the position or the task of an elder is one of leadership. Now, makes sense, doesn't necessarily make it seem easy. And we read there, a leader must motivate, but some people are difficult to motivate. You ever known somebody that it was really hard to get them to sort of do anything, right? To sort of motivate them, you know, you might have to have steel toe boots for the motivation uh, for those. It said a leader must collaborate or work together, but some people don't have any interest in working together. We joke about this from time to time, but some of us may remember when we were in school and we did the group project and, you know, some of us might have hoped and prayed at least with somebody that would do all the work and we didn't have to do anything, Right. Some of us said, I want to do, you know, I I would rather just do it myself. I don't want to deal with you because y'all are just going to mess it up when you're doing it. Well, 
sometimes getting people to work together is difficult. But a church has to work together, right? You can't pull in 10 different directions for that. We read there, a leader must understand and respect, but some people have no interest in being understood or being respectful. You know people like that as well, right? And so there must be leaders for effective progress, right? In order for there to be progress, you have to have leadership for it. But there also has to be a membership that's willing to work toward it. And I say that today because in our congregation, we have two elders. And there are 40 people in this room right now, but there's only two people that are elders. And when we look at the qualifications next week, a lot of us don't qualify to be an elder for certain reasons. So what I don't want us to do is I don't want us to say, okay, well, this is not about me. So I can just turn off for the next 30 minutes. This isn't about me. Because the reality is, it is absolutely about you. Because the elders in the church can only be as effective as the people that make up the church will allow them to be. If the elder says yes and you say no, then you are limiting the work of the church. So it requires you to play your part as well. So I want you to think about when we look at the work that they're doing, I want us to think, this is what the elders are doing, but how can I assist in that work that is being done as well. And hopefully that helps us out just a little bit. So let's talk first of all, though, about the need for elders. The need for elders. You can find the qualifications for elders in 1 Timothy and Titus. And we'll talk more about that next week. But you can go into those books and you can find what are the qualifications for it. But there's been a need for elders since the beginning of the church. What I want you to do right now is I want you to turn to Acts Chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and we're going to look at verses 28 through 31. Acts chapter 20, 28 through 31. You know, the book of Acts is officially titled the Acts of the Apostles. And the reality of that is the apostles were going about doing the work that Jesus had tasked them with following his death. One of those things was establishing churches in and around a lot of different areas. Paul does that with his missionary journeys. But in Acts chapter 20, Verses 28 to 31, we're talking about a need of elders in the church. Therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago. But I think that everything that you see in there, and I can ask the elders to be sure about this, is something that's a relevant problem today. It was a relevant problem 100 years ago. It was a problem 500 or 1,000 years ago. It's repeated itself. Because anytime you have a group of people, anything can happen. And if it's your responsibility to watch out for those people, you have to watch out for anything that can happen. You'll notice on my opening picture there was a shepherd with sheep. And you'll see here there's a shepherd born with a sheep there. And that's really the role that we'll talk about uh, here today. Acts uses the word flock to describe Christians and shepherds to describe the overseers. If you've been to a church service probably more than 20 times in your life, you've heard that 
analogy, right? The shepherd and the, and the flock. And it's a responsibility to move the flock from point A to point B. And ultimately, for the shepherds of the church, it's a responsibility to move the flock from earth to heaven, right? That's the path that's going to be taken right there. Now, those are appropriate terms, I think, for us. The reason is that sheep will typically do what is asked of them so long as you continue to ask them, right? But you can't say, well, the last three days, they've done everything that was supposed to be. So today, you're just going to let them have a free day. They're going, what's going to happen with those sheep on that fourth day when the shepherd says, I'm going to take the day off? They're going to go everywhere, right? And so you, you say, well, they were so good on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Why'd they mess up on Thursday? Well, that's how things are. You remember when you were in school and you had a substitute teacher? Free day, right? Don't have to worry about anything in here today. Teacher comes back the next day, mad and fire, right? She wrote that you did this, 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 this. Why do y'all do that when I'm not here? You know why? Because we're kind of like those sheep, right? You give us an inch, we'll go ahead and take a mile, right? We'll roam free. We'll do whatever. And so the shepherd has to have a steady focus, a steady hand on what is going to be done, or they're going to wander, the sheep are going to wander off and find themselves in trouble. The success or failures of elders determines the ultimate destiny of both the shepherds and the flock. Now, that's not just me saying it. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Hebrews 13 and verse 17, talking about elders, uh, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for, right here, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. Now let's think about that for a second, that part of verse 17. For they watch out for your souls, which is a big task, but that doesn't end with a period. It, ends, it has a comma and it goes on a little further and it says, for they who must give an account. One of Mary's job as a treasurer of Lincoln County is to give an account of the money spent. And guess who's going to get fussed at if it's not been spent right? Well, a lot of people here. Well, the church's responsibility, the church's setup is designed so that the elders have to give an account for it. So your task, what you're doing, is reflected back on them. It says here, let them do so with joy and not with grief. It would be the easiest thing in the world if we can go forward, if the elder can stand up and say, everybody in my congregation does everything right all the time. Well, that makes it a lot easier, right? Is that how it works? It doesn't work that way. So they have to keep an eye on that. So there's this need for elders, number one. Let's go to the second thing, though. We're talking about the actual work of an elders. So if the, for, for an elder, first off, we read here to take heed to yourself. There's a personality requirement for an elder. When I say personality, I don't necessarily mean they have to be, a, you know, they have to look a certain way or talk. I don't mean that. But bear with me here for just a second. Titus chapter 1 and verse 7. We read in Titus 1 and verse 7, it says, For a bishop must be blameless. As a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. We can go further and we will look a little bit more about that next week. But the Bible uses the term bishop, the term elder, the term pastor, the term overseer. Those are all synonymous with the task of an elder. 
So if we look at Titus 1 and verse 7, the bishop must be blameless. Now, let's be realistic. There is nobody blameless in the world, right? But you know people that are striving to not be blameless. And you also know people that don't really care. Well, the elder can't play that role of I don't really care what anybody thinks about me. they got to be blameless, a steward of God. Again, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that next week. But it can't be a do as I say, not as I do. Let's go to 1 Peter 5 and verse 3. Jameson read this. This was within the reading there just a second ago. But it said, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but rather being examples of to the flock. We're all familiar with the term lording over someone, right? And you get this image of somebody with a club or something. And if you take one step out of line, there are people that like that, right? You ever know anybody that that was, they liked having that bit of power right there. That's not the job of an elder. It says, but being examples to the flock. If I want to model myself as a Christian within the church, I want to model myself after the elders. But what if the elders aren't worth modeling myself after? That becomes a problem, right? Who am I looking to to model myself? Not these folks. Well, they're the people that we should be modeling ourselves after. Go back to what we we read there in Titus. Not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine. Those are the kind of things that we would model ourselves for, model ourselves after. Remember, we talked about this before, but think about those old what would Jesus do bracelets from back in the 90s, right? It was The thought was, is when I'm about to do something, I look at that, what am I going to do? Well, I don't know that they were sold quite as many, but what would the elders do in this situation? That's a question to consider, right? Remember I said at the beginning, most of us probably don't qualify as elders. But we still need to be thinking about the work of elders. It's not, even if I'm not an actual elder in the church, what would the eldership do in this situation? Pretty good question to ask because with anything, makes us think a little bit, makes us be a little more considerate of the task of an elder. But there has to be a good reputation, third, within the community as well. Let's think about this for a second. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now think about that for just a second. I want to consider it this way. Have you ever heard of somebody that you know has a negative reputation getting hired at a certain business? Does that sometimes make you question if I want to do business with that specific business? Well, some of you all may be able to relate to this and some of us may not, right? But whenever we think about it that way, let's turn around and apply that to the church. What if an elder has an awful reputation around Stanford and Lincoln County. But then we say, that is an elder of the Stanford Church of Christ. There are people that are outside, they're going to look inside and say, I don't want to be part of that at all. There will be people that would say that. Because we do the same for businesses or places of employment, they do the same for church. So the elder's responsibility has to have a good testimony among those on the outside as well. Otherwise, nobody's ever going to come in. Go a little further. The elder has to take heed to the flock. And this is what we're going to finish with today. Four things that an elder has to do within its work. Number one, and these are all the same things that shepherds would have to do as well. Number one is to oversee. First Thessalonians chapter 5 
and verse 12. If you turn to that right now, you can read along with me. It says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. There is a, right there in 1 Thessalonians 5, it tells us that there will be elders within the congregation. That is a requirement. There's a necessity for it. Some churches don't have that. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But there is a necessity for that. And we see that it's there. How many of you have ever joked about or laughed about when you drove down a road and you saw highway workers and it looks like everybody's just kind of standing around? We've all joked about that, right? But the reality is there has to be some oversight to what's being done. Think about it this way. We've been watching this road be built out here in front of Walmart here for the last few months, right? When you drive by, there might be 25 people that are out there working. But what if all 25 people were doing something different? What's that road going to look like? Fortunately, they got Pat there to make sure things are, you know, things are working well. Pat's looking over it at all times up there just to be sure. But the reality is you got a few people that are working with blacktop, right? And you got some people that are over here that are kind of moving dirt around, making it a little smoother right here. You got people working on lights that are there that are arranging that as well. There has to be oversight or that's just going to go haywire, right? So the task of an elder is to oversee. The elder must oversee the work of the church. If the elders don't oversee the work of the church, what will the church do? It'll go everywhere. What would that road look like at the end of this year if there's no oversight taking place? It'll be going everywhere, right? It'll be shooting off and dipping down and there'll be whole, it would be horrible. But there has to be oversight for it. Number two, <coughs> feed. A task of the eldership is to feed the flock. Now, we use the word feed here as providing sound quality instruction for the church. First, elders must teach personally. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 2 says that an elder must be able to teach. Now, I'll notice here, doesn't necessarily say able to teach the best class that's ever been taught. That's not a requirement. It's never in the, that's never a requirement for preachers or teachers or anybody. But there is an ability to stand before a group and teach. I want you to think about our, te- our elders in our congregation. We have two. Dad and Kate. They should be able to stand in front of you on a Sunday morning, Wednesday night, teach a class. They should be able to stand at the pulpit and preach a song. They should be able to stand over communion and speak about what that's there for. They should be able to meet with you personally and go over things that are in the scriptures. They should be able to meet with others that are not maybe in the congregation and go over that as well. So when it says able to teach, sometimes we sort of funnel that in and say, you got to be standing right. There's a lot of teaching that takes place. Now let's turn that back around to you. If it says the elder must be able to teach, I'm not an elder. I don't got to worry about it. Is that the right attitude to have? Because if that's our attitude, who's the teachers? Those two. What am I doing? Checking back in your life. Don't have to worry about nothing. They got it under control. Is that realistic? That's not realistic at all. But an elder must be able to teach. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, it says... And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. The point of that is, is that people have different tasks that they will have to do. 
You may not be qualified to be an elder, but there's other tasks that you can perform as well. Let's go a little deeper with that then. Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, holding fast to the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Elders have to select competent, faithful teachers and preachers. That's a task. You know, when you're in that leadership position, a lot of times people get into that leadership position and they say, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then what do they do? Burn themselves out. Like they've done everything, nobody's done anything. That's a responsibility of the eldership to select competent, faithful teachers. In the third verse of Paul's letter to Timothy, he mentions him staying in Ephesus to be watchful over what was taught. Look at that real quick. It's 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. What Paul is saying to Timothy here is Timothy kind of wanted to go with him when Paul left. But Paul said, I need you at that church. I need you at Ephesus. I need you to make sure that things are going well there within that. Every time that I stand before you, The eyes of the elders are on me. Most of your all's eyes are on me as well. Some of y'all's drift down from time to time. And that's all right. And I understand that. All right. But the eyes of them are on me. And if they're not on me, they're looking in the Bible. So when I say, you know, John 3, 16, they look to see where that is. You know what they're doing? They're watching over. They're making sure that I am saying and doing what I'm supposed to do. What if they sit back and don't do that? Ah, it's good. Get the old Barney Fife thing, right? You know, can't preach enough about sin, right? When he's been asleep for 30 minutes in the sermon right there. Well, if they're not looking after if they're not watching, if they're not reproving, I got free reign, right? But that can be a problem. It's got to be oversight. Not just that, but when we stand before you and teach the class, and there are all kinds of people in here that stand up and teach. Well, there are people that stand up there above the, to, to speak at the table for communion. They're watching over that. That's a task of it. The classes that are taught in the back and in the front, those are parts of it as well. I hear those conversations all the time about we're teaching this. We're going over that. We're learning this in the class. And yes, it's a very different thing that's taught to the two-year-olds, that's taught to the 12-year-olds, that's taught to the 50-year-olds. They don't need to all be the same lesson, but they have to be scriptural, and the elders' responsibility is to make sure that they are. Number three, have to guide. Responsibility, a role of the shepherd is to guide the sheep in the direction that they see fit, that they see is best. Could be for water, could be for pasture, could be for safety. The sheep need different things at different times. The church needs different things at different times as well. But that's why we have regular services. That's why we are here on Sunday. We can have church every other Sunday, sometimes starting at 9 in the morning, sometimes at 1 in the afternoon, sometimes at 8 at night. How would that go? Be awful, right? Wouldn't know when. Don't know where I'm supposed to be. What time am I supposed to be there? There's some regularity. There's some conformity. There's some uniformity right there in what happens. That's why we have gospel meetings. We have a gospel meeting each spring, usually each April, and each fall in September. Do you know why we do it? Well, part of it is so you don't have to listen to me all the time. 
But the reality is, so you get to hear somebody else. You provide an opportunity. But the gospel meeting, what it also does is that Monday and Tuesday night, it is so fun to look out and say, Harrisburg, Travel, Waynesburg, Lancaster. You get to see people that you know where they are right now. They're not here because they're, you don't get to see them that often. But that allows you an opportunity. That's the shepherding. That's the elders bringing groups together of like and precious faith, as the Bible says, right? That's why we have church work days. We pack things in the back or work things out front. The reason that we do that, the work of the church needs done, but we can't sit back and say, let the elders do it. But how many times have we had something where we've worked or we've put things together and people say, that was so much fun. You know why it's fun? It's an opportunity to interact with people that are similar to you. It's not that way at work. It's not that way in your neighborhood a lot of times. But it is here when you do that. That's why we're having a fish fry in a couple of weeks. Kevin takes it upon himself to go out and pitch hundreds of thousands of fish and, you know, just, just throw, just about to tip the boat over. They've got so many of them. We've got to, but it's an opportunity for us to be together. You know, the Bible says that the Christian, early Christians met daily from house to house, right? Well, that's kind of impractical in the world that we live in today because of jobs and where we live and all that. But we can do things that are similar to those kinds of folks because that keeps us connected to people that are like us. John 10, verses 3 through 5. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee for him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Let's talk about Jesus right there. But we should follow the voice of the elders of the congregation as well. Fourth task when taking heed of the flock is to watch all four of them are up there number one to care for the lambs the elders of the congregation care about you they absolutely care about you. they are awake at night at times concerned about your care and they are in conversation quite often during the day about your care number two Prevent the sheep from straying. That's why they talk with you. That's why we come together. That's why we have these congregations. They want you to be here. They can't be worried about those that are on the outside. We'd like for them to come here as well, but they want to make sure that you aren't straying as well. But number three then, to recover the lost. Because there are people that are not here anymore that used to be. And they concern themselves the elders concern themselves with those people as well. I'm confident that those conversations are had about people who we know used to sit here or there and aren't sitting here anymore. There's a concern there as well. But not just for those, but for others that are on the outside that might come in. That's why we have services at a regular time. That's why we have gospel meetings. It's so other people can come as well. And fourth, to guard against predators. We hear the term wolf in sheep's clothing, right? But we know that the worry for any shepherd is some kind of an attack on their animal, right? And when a wolf attacks, it can destroy or devour a sheep or multiple sheep, almost to the point that the flock scatters and there may be nothing left. 
And so when we read guard against predators, what that means is the elder's responsibility is to make sure the wolf doesn't come in. That way the sheep and the flock can stay together. It's difficult to overstate the importance of elders in a local church. Many congregations have strong elderships. When I grew up, we grew up in the Maple Avenue Church of Christ in Lancaster, and there was a plaque that was on the wall. And from about 1923, I think, on, it listed every person that had been an elder in that church. And it was at the time that I stopped attending there, it was about two and a half columns long, I believe. And there were names on there of people who I never knew. They had been dead for many, many years. But the names of those people were names that were still uttered in that church building. Some of those names had a similar name three or four spots down that was their son that had served as an elder. And some of those names still had sons and daughters and grandsons and daughters that were in that congregation. It's important to have good, strong eldership. Some congregations don't. And it's difficult. It's difficult. Ben, I see Ben shaking his hand. Ben preached for a time in a congregation without eldership. It's difficult because the job of the elder is not the job of the preacher. Those are two different things. But it's very difficult. Next week, we're going to look at the qualifications of the elders. But I want us to leave with this verse right here. We read it just a moment ago. But the job of an elder is to shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. It's not to make money. It's not to gain fame. But it is to simply look out for the well-being and the soul of everybody in this room. It's hard to describe how difficult of a task that would be. Most of us won't ever be in that position. But somebody is. And our active activities, our behaviors, cause them consternation. So what our job should be as a non-elder is to live the absolute best Christian life that we can to limit the challenges that an elder has to face. If we aren't doing that, then we have to fix it. And that's what we do when we have an invitation at the end each time. If we're having problems in our life that need resolved, we can come forward. If we've not been the kind of Christian that we said we would be, we can come forward. If maybe we've considered becoming a Christian, but have never took that next step, we can come forward. We'll pray with you, pray for you, we'll baptize you. Whatever it might be, we can do that. But our responsibility is to find our way to heaven. And the elder's responsibility is to guide us along the way. And it's a whole lot easier for everybody involved if we all walk in the same direction at the same time. If there's anything we can do to help you, we invite you to come while we stand inside.